I want to read in your hearing, and I'd like you to read along with me today, whether it's from your Bible or your Bible app or from the screen. Verse 14 through verse 20 of Mark chapter 5. They that fed the swine, verse 14 says, they that fed the swine, they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country and they went out to see it, what was done, that was done and they came to Jesus. Everyone say they came to Jesus. Yeah, and they, they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil. And he had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those, those statements don't seem to go together. They saw the man that was possessed with the devil and had the legion, that means the amount of demons, sitting clothed and in his right mind. And then they were afraid. So, seems a little odd. Last week we talked about fear from a storm and now we've got a group that's afraid because somebody's back in their right mind. Be careful. Be careful about the people that don't like you when you are in your right mind. They that saw it, told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they, they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. Can you imagine trying to pray Jesus out? So counterintuitive to everything we try to do. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him he said I want to go with you Howbeit, Jesus suffered him not but saith unto him go home go to your friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for thee and hath had compassion on thee and he departed and began to publish in Decapolis, how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. I want to I preach this mighty God in Christ. I want to preach it from the 20th verse, publish in Decapolis. I want to make a little sense of this here today. Would you pray with me before we're seated? God, we love you. We thank you for what we felt in this house already. Thank you for the restoration that has already occurred. For so many, we could leave right now and you've already done a full work. We felt your presence. There's been restoration and strength. And I pray if there's any person in this room that is hungry for your word today, let them be fed. Every here that desires to hear not only what I would say, but most importantly, what the Spirit is saying to the church, let them hear. I pray that you would bless and minister in a mighty way, we're asking it in the name of Jesus Christ. And let everyone say amen. God bless you. You may be seated here this morning. If you would be so kind, repeat after me. Publish in Decapolis. Publish in Decapolis. 
I would start this morning by telling you that the story of Mark chapter 5 is a real story. Just as real as the troubled waters and the storm that did appear, that very storm for which so many of us as believers have used this as an illustration, not for maybe a physical storm, but for spiritual storms that we endure, marriage storms that we endure, situational occurrences with work that we use as a storm. We use that illustration. But Mark chapter 5 was just as real that there was a man possessed with a demon. Now, we're in October, so let me talk about it. Our world is fascinated with the supernatural. I was so mad a couple of years ago in prayer. I took this to the Lord. I was so mad. And I said, God, I don't understand why our world is running rampant with such a love for witchcraft. And well, we don't call it witchcraft, but uh, these warlocks, we don't call it warlocks. And this, this love for the dark things, and we don't really call it that, but this absolute fascination with zombies and the walking dead. And you've maybe heard me mention it at some point before, but our world's fascination with the dead things and the graphic nature. And, and it was in that time of prayer that the Lord said, why are you surprised that they're enamored with the supernatural? And I want to tell everybody very calmly as we begin this service today, they are putting on display their desire for a move of the supernatural, whether they realize it or not. They are. It's, run, it's running rampant with shows that are being produced. Paranormal activity. Pastor, we don't talk about things like this in the church. Well, it's, it's October. That's my license, okay? And I think we need to be careful of what we ourselves or what our children digest just because it's normal. I would ask that question, yeah. I, I would ask that question, normal to who? Because long before the man of Mark 5 became possessed, he had to open himself up to something for the possessing. We don't get the backstory lest we judge him. We don't get the backstory of what he opened himself up to and how this happened. We see him at face value after the storm has been calmed and Christ steps off of the shore. And I've preached about it. You've heard it preached throughout the years. Those of you that have been believers, you've read this story a hundred times or more. You've heard it preached about probably a hundred times or more. But here we have a man that is there. And I want us to just calmly know it was real. We love the deliverance part of this story. And in the Pentecostal church, we, we love to preach about it. And you let my voice get to the right place. And my God, that demon came. And everybody, whoa, whoa. But, but pause. He was possessed when there was no disciples around. 
the average person, what Christ is teaching us in Mark 5, is the average person that we come in contact with might be dealing with things in the shadows of their own life. That we need to have that name that's above every other name. And I will tell you, I think it's hard for the church to effectively combat spirits that we ourselves entertain. Well, that's strong for a Sunday morning, Pastor. I only had one cup of coffee, and I, I don't know <laughs> that I'm ready for that. Well, let me say it again. We cannot cast out what we're inviting in. And so we have to be guarded with that. And Christ steps here onto the shore, understanding the mission that is before him. How many believe with me? You'll just help me feel like I can move on from this slow and intentional introduction that there really was a man possessed by demons. You believe in Mark 5. You have a high view of Scripture, so you believe. I got about 600 hands and like 100 head nods, and I got a few arm folds, and I'm okay with all of them. I, I like them all. I'm good. I'm good. So the majority of the room says it did happen. There is a man that's there possessed by demons. There is a man, and yet what happens when Christ steps onto the shore? The backstory is, of this particular text from verse 14, where we began to read down through verse 20. When Jesus came to the shore, what did this man possessed by devils do? He ran to him. He ran to him and he falls before him. And we actually see an engagement, a conversation with the demonic forces. Now, for some of us in this room, we're like, I understand that, but ladies and gentlemen, we have to be aware this has always been a spiritual battle. This has always been a spiritual battle. And Jesus begins to have dialogue. We know there's a cast out. They are, they are aware of who Christ is. Can I tell you that in this moment, the devils are more aware of him than the disciples are? It's the truth of the text. The disciples, we know they just came to a fresh revelation. They're standing on the boat a handful of scriptures before this saying, what manner of man is this? And he steps onto this Gentile country, the country of the Gadarenes. He's across on the other side. We would call it the other side of the tracks. He called it the other side of the sea. Water had separated and divided them. But the one who went ahead and divided the water in the first place said, I'll come to the other side. And here he comes, this man that has been possessed, he comes and the angels begin to dialogue. Imagine being a disciple in this moment. This is an interesting moment. The disciples look and they watch. There's this interaction that is occurring and the demons begin to even speak out. And we know that Christ has a interaction with the demon. We are legion. And then he asks, listen, we don't talk about this. The devil has a prayer request. You never read it that way, but read it that way. In Mark 5, the devil asks Christ where to send him. What does he ask him? Help me, crowd participation. Where does he say? Send us into the Swine, you're having a big, you're, you're having a bad day. 
heard me say this before. When, when your request is, send us to the pigs. Unless you take a look at the cultural significance of this region and the herding of swine and even the interaction of the Jews with the Gentiles, the entire situation was appalling to the disciples. And when those demons said, send us into the swine, the Jews were like, that's right. And so they go into the swine, and then what do the swine do? They commit suicide. They commit suicide. Those spirits of suicide are old spirits. That's why you've heard me tell you that I think this is one of the strongest men in the Bible. He doesn't get the recognition of Samson, but this is a guy who was full of demons trying to tell him to kill himself every day. Those were demonic spirits. Long before teenagers were ever wearing Abercrombie and Fitch and cutting themselves where nobody could see, there was a man in a tomb possessed with demons. And they got possessed in those swine and they ran over the cliff and everybody said, whoa, take care of those demons. Demons didn't die. The swine did. Put us in the swine. Christ was not ignorant of their devices. Understanding that the swine could go, but the demons or the spirits were there. Listen, from the fall of man, there was this opening. We don't like to talk about it, but there is the possibility. Just like the Lord. How many believe that God is, in fact, according to text, the lion of the tribe of Judah? He is. But the enemy has always made a mockery and tried to be a substitute. That's why the devil is like a lion. Man, if we were going at it, some of our English teachers, you could help us with similes and metaphors today, talking about like as, like as. That's why we don't want to look like we have the Holy Ghost or act like we. We don't want to be like the church. We want to be the church. What good is it to be like the church, but no one can have the power to come in on a Sunday morning and be renewed in the Spirit of God and, and healings not happen... I, Brother Mathis came up to me long before we even got to prayer meeting and came up to me and said, Pastor Carson, he said there was a time not long ago, he said, I couldn't even walk. I couldn't even, I couldn't even get around. He was spending time in the hospital. And yet today he was walking all over this place and praying for people. I don't want to have a church that has like powerful prayers or kind of I don't want to be like the church. Anybody besides me get annoyed that the, our generation, that's most of them are downstairs right now, use like so many times in a My eye starts twitching. Heard somebody talking recently and they said, so like we like went yesterday and like here's what we, and I was like, oh God, I don't like it. I like wish you'd like get like out of your like vocabulary. Told one of our young ministers this one time. I said, you're using like so much. Nobody likes it. But ladies and gentlemen, one of the number one issues the world has with the church as a whole is thinking that we are hypocritical, speaking stuff we do not have. And I want to tell you something right now. Me raising my voice doesn't make God more powerful. 
I know we have a culture to the way we do things, but no one should have to be a cheerleader to make us recognize he's more than like God. He is God. He's more than like our Savior. He is my Come on, somebody in the room right now. When Jesus stepped onto that shore, he wasn't like God. He was God, manifest in the flesh. He wasn't like powerful. He was all powerful. And the disciples just got a revelation about his power over the storm. But they were about to get a revelation of who he was. The demons were about to edumacate them. Because the demons jump out and the disciples are standing there to the side. The wind was cool. This is weird. And he sends them into the swine. Now, we don't talk about their perspective, but I think we should. As all of a sudden, here they go. My, my, my brother's father-in-law and their family, they have a, a, a hog farm in Illinois. They raise, they have all kinds of animals, but they have a hog farm. I'm going to tell you, that's not somewhere you want to be downwind of. Sends them into the swine. Picture yourself as a part of the early church, the, 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 the group that's going to preach Pentecost and pray folks through and be a part of this as you are watching the demonic Move into the swine. And then all those swine run off the cliff. And the next thing you know, we get to our text. And this man is sitting and he's clothed. And in his right mind. Typically those two go together. (laughs) Okay. Clothed and in his right mind. It seems to us, it seems to us, the men of the city should show up and be like, whoa, who who did this? Because it's not like they liked him before. Well, how do you know that? Because they had tried to bind him with chains and with fetters. But no man could bind him. That's what it says in Mark 5. They bound him. They tried. He was a disruption. But they were less afraid of him as a, desmo- as a demonic disruption. I want us to catch this. Please, please, please. I feel heavy on this. He was less fearful to them or, or less of a concern to them as a demonic disruption than he was as someone who had been transformed by the power of Christ. Why, Pastor Carson, why is that? Their inventory just ran off the cliff. Their livelihood just went eternal baptism. (laughs) Playing golf with somebody not too long ago and they hit hit a shot and I'd never heard this before, hit a shot and all of a sudden they said, in Jesus' name. And I didn't know what they were, they hit into the water. Some of you didn't catch that and I... Said, Lord, help them. Those, those swine, they run to the edge and they dive off and hear these men show up. Pastor Lopez, if we showed up there and we see this man sitting in his right mind, he's clothed, his life has turned around from one moment. If you're just like the church, that can't, but if you are the church, And his life is, ladies and gentlemen, he was transformed by the 
renewing of his mind due to his interaction with Jesus Christ. And I'm not looking for your applause. In fact, nobody applaud this moment. I want to make sure everybody hears it. He can still do that. Just say amen if you believe it. He can still show up to people whose lives... Are, listen, I know that we like to say whether it's alcohol or whether it's drugs or whether it's lying or whether... Okay, all those things. I'm just going to call it whether, what it is. If they're under the influence of Satan. Oh, that's pretty harsh. If they're under... That's not the influence of God. It is the life-wrecking spirit of Satan. And might present itself in many ways. For he was a legion. For we are many. But in that one moment. The mind is transformed. And the church. If and when that happens in the church. What would we do? Woo! We celebrate. I was there the night that uh, Chris came to the altar. And, and put those drugs on the altar. You want to talk about. Freaking some people out. Some of those precious saints. He went pulling drugs out of his pocket. But when he yelled and said, I've never felt anything that could take this desire away. He said, but whatever just happened to me in this church. Do we still believe in stuff like that? I had a man tell me, he said, he said, I could not, he said, I went to every meeting, I did everything I, I could, but I could not get the desire to get that brown liquor to my lips. I could not get it away. He said, but God, he said, I can't explain this to you. He said, but God just all of a sudden made that stuff taste horrible to me and pulled that desire. I want you to know, God. We believe that you still do this. You still heal the broken. How many believe he can still take those that have been possessed or overwhelmed? I curse every lying devil in hell that makes people feel like they got to stay bound. He's a God of liberty. And the church would do exactly what we're doing right now. We show up and this man is like this. The entire church would be. The disciples were like, for he is a jolly good fellow. <laughs> and the men of the city showed up. Uh, hey, Bill. Isn't that the... Ooh. Where's my pigs? Bill. My pigs. Don't you say anything about my wife one more time. I'm asking for my pigs, Bill. Where? Oh, come on. Don't make it lighthearted. I'm telling you right now, it was an incident. It was an instance so great and so grand. What happened? I'm going to tell you what happened. Their livelihood got messed up. And when their kingdom took a hit, they wanted Christ out of the country. That's what happened. When their kingdom took a hit, 
People that are anti the church and people that are anti Christ do not want anyone or any power that is anti their kingdom. Listen, if we don't preach this stuff here, I don't know where we think we'll talk about it. Where do you think the Gnostic view comes from? Where do you think the atheistic view comes from? I know we can talk philosophy and we can go back in church history, but I'm gonna tell you where it comes from just in case we try to reason it away. Hell. It comes from Satan. Why do you think there's over 1,600 different religions right now? People are confused. You can do this, you can do that, and everything's right, and everything's wrong, and nothing's right, and nothing's wrong, and everyone has this, and you've got to go to this little fraction, and you've got to do this little thing. Instead of maybe we all get together and just read the Bible and just try to be like God. Can I tell you right now, they were frustrated that he was clothed and in his right mind, and there are people sitting around this whole church that you had people in your life, then they loved you when you were a drunken mess. They loved you when you didn't make them feel bad about their lifestyle. They loved you when you were a cheat. They loved you when it was torment to you as long as it didn't affect them too much. But clothed and in his right mind, he seems like he is an enemy of their agenda. And they want Christ out of here. Why? Because if Christ stays around any longer, he might continue to work on the rest of the region. If Christ stays, <laughs> this is one herd. I'm not speaking for just us. I'm speaking for everybody else that's like us. Everybody else that's trying to coax the agenda of this Gentile area of Decapolis. Everybody else that is around. I, I want you out of here. And we, we want you to go. And they prayed Christ out. Ladies and gentlemen, for anyone that thinks it's not possible, they were successful. Christ is a gentleman, and he left. We go from them praying him out of the country, and those that are a part of the church, we want to be like, I ain't going to be able to do that. I ain't going to pray him out of there. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. No, the next scripture says he's on the boat. And if we're not careful, we think, oh, wait a minute. That's not right. Christ should have just split that kingdom wide open. We see it in the very next verse. Because that man whose mind had been turned around, he said, I want to come with you. Brother Butler, he looked at Christ who had turned his life around and said, I want to come with you. Can I come? Because you changed my mind. You changed my life. And, and look at me. I'm wearing, I'm, I'm, I'm got a suit on again. I was so far gone, I didn't even know how I would, you know, I didn't have, they said I don't have nothing on. He's like, I saw you. I know. It, it's, it's good to have you in a tunic again. Let me come with you. Can I tell you that his request makes sense to me. His request makes sense. But Jesus looks at him and says, no. Don't come with me. Take me with you. Take this experience and go to Decapolis. Now listen, I want to teach you something maybe you've never seen. Decapolis is not a singular city. It represents 10 different cities. This man was filled with a stronghold that seems like it was enough to have an entire region locked up. And in one moment, he said, I just released 10 cities worth of revival in you. 
I'm not, I'm not going to let you affect a city. I'm going to put you loose on a county. Oh, some of you are catching it right now. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to let you reach one. I'm going to make your ministry so big they talk about you for the rest of time. They're, they're not, I don't need them to know your name. What's his name? Well, the name of Jesus was used over him. But we don't get to spend no bunch of time talking about, he doesn't get the airtime that Peter does or that Paul does or that John Mark does. He doesn't get any of it. He's just a guy that was bound. And now he's free. But he actually does something with his freedom. He actually does something with his freedom. How is this the mighty God in Christ? Because those demons recognized when Jesus stood on that sandy shore exactly who he was. They knew exactly who he was. And in that moment of transformation, the disciples begin to recognize and begin to understand. And the absolute overwhelming oppression that's in that city and the agenda of their kingdom comes in and drives Christ out. But once Christ has transformed a life, once Christ has transformed a life and now releases him, what I was thinking about when you were up here. I knew what I was preaching and you started talking about those stone gate apartments. This morning, we got people in this building from that region. This week, we'll do Bible studies. We got people that are now faithful members of this area. Listen, you know their number one burden? Heard from one this morning. You know their number one burden? The region they're from. He said, I want to go with you. And he said, I got better news. Why don't you go home to the people who thought your life was over? Why don't you walk? I'm going to let you make hell have a real bad day. Listen, hell would have been delighted for him to just get on the boat and sail away with Jesus and never do anything. And the enemy would be delighted if we would just come to church and then never take the church with us. He said, I'm sending you into Decapolis. I'm sending you into those 10 cities. And I can see him clothed and in his right mind. And the rumors of who he was. Come on, last Sunday night we preached about Lazarus who was dead. He might as well have been dead because his dreams were dead. His ambition was dead. It felt like this guy's calling was dead. He's possessed with demons until he comes walking into town. Got a new tailored tunic on walking around. What's he do? He walks around preaching Christ and evangelizing the cities. We talk about Paul's mission to the Gentiles. John the Baptist, if he was the forerunner of Christ, this guy was the forerunner for Paul. Brother Turner, he has been absolutely transformed and starts walking into regions where no Jew Christians want to set their foot yet. None of these places that they would be comfortable. And he's able to start walking around and saying, listen, I was in a tomb. I was losing my mind. I was possessed with it. I had every kind of addiction. I was cutting myself. The devil was trying to get me to kill myself. But I met a man named Jesus. And when I met him, when I met him, now, maybe your story's not just like his, but there are people around here, you've been bound by anger. He can take that anger out of you. You've been bound by frustration. 
Why is that so exciting? Because he came to an understanding. This was the Lord. How do you know that he knew it was the Lord? Because that's how we read. The, Jesus looked at him and told him to go in the name of the Lord. And it says, so he went in the name of Jesus. Even the Gentiles had heard there was a Messiah coming. The Jews claimed that the Gentiles were coming. And this guy walks in. And people, I can hear him across the way. What happened to you? Jesus. Jesus happened. Walking into another courtyard. Hey man, I heard you lost your mind. I did. But Jesus. <laughs> I heard your marriage was wrecked. I heard your friends left. They did, everybody. And they had good reason. But I got it all back. I got it. I got it all Come on, I'm talking to somebody in this room today. Your testimony needs to be, Jesus happened to me. Jesus happened to me. Jesus is why I act the way I act. I walk the way I walk. I talk the way I talk. Can I tell you something? Brother Trano, if he can use a man that's possessed with demons to reach 10 cities, surely he can use us to at least reach 10 friends. Now, if I told everybody we were having, we, we were having a, a, a snow cones and a, a special guest and we were having a free food giveaway, we were doing it here at the church, the entire church would say, whoa! But if, but if I have Brother Traino get up and say, we're going to spend Saturday doing evangelism on the 29th, the church goes, And then he said, we're going to try to put so much effort into it that we're going to honor the body and we're going to have Saturday church over there and Sunday morning church here, but there won't be a Sunday night service. And I felt some people go, mm. 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 Pastor, don't, don't poke fun at the gathering. Oh, we're gathering. We're just taking our testimony Well, that's not my neighborhood. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't say, well, that's not my neighborhood. <laughs> Aren't you glad when he walked into your house or into your heart that he didn't say, well, I don't really live there, that he wanted to live there? Pastor Carson, are you trying to make us feel bad? No, I'm trying to make us know that Jesus is the answer for our entire region. I know, listen, I know the church looks like this, but the church also, sorry sound man, the church also ought to look like this. You know you're powerful when you don't have a tie on? I'll just hold it like a cord. You know you're powerful when you don't have a suit on? Come on now, I'm talking about people that are not yet in this place of their right mind. That we might get over to the shore of where they're living. What do you have to offer us? 
I'm glad we're doing hot dogs. I'm glad we're doing hamburgers. But we're not going there because we got hot dogs or hamburgers. They can get those at that Walmart. We're going there because we know Jesus. I said we know Jesus. We have met him for ourselves. Now stand, stand with me all over the house. The mighty God in Christ should be revealed through us. Brother Faulkner, not simply because we can describe his oneness texturally, but because when people see us, they see the effect of God in our life. And then it should cause us I know we don't like to admit it, but every one of us got a little bit of that Mark 5 guy in our mind, in our heart, in our... We got a little... Thanks, I'm sorry. We got, we got a little bit of that Mark 5 guy. No one wants to talk about it, but we do. Oh, pastor, I was never possessed. Hmm. If you had a porn addiction for years, that's a binding. If you, boy, I felt something in the room right now. God, mercy. I'm telling somebody in this room right now, there's testimonies all over this place that are like this man telling you, you don't have to stay bound. You don't have to stay shackled. And I feel it right now. You got people in this room right now. Alcohol still cries your name every morning. I just need some testimonies that God delivered you. I just need you to step out of your pew and start praying around this building right now. Maybe move across the front. Maybe move through the aisles. I need some people who were a little more like that Mark 5 guy than they would like to admit. You just need to start bearing witness that he delivered you. I need people in this room to know they're not alone. That... Come on, sexual addictions, mental abuses and hurts and strongholds. Come on, we need Jesus, 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 Jesus. Decapolis had to hear, but your neighborhood's got to hear. My family's got to hear. My friends have got to know. They got to know. They got to know. He said, I need you to go publish in Decapolis. And I think he's saying to us, I need you to publish it in Indy. I need you to publish it in your neighborhood. I need you to publish it. I need you to make it known. 